Well, let's take our Bibles. Please turn to John chapter 10 this morning. John chapter 10 this morning. Of course, John chapter 10 is the story of a shepherd. The story of a shepherd. John chapter 10, let's look there this morning. Please be in prayer for our evening service. We've already prayed, but let's continue to pray. Uh, we, we were scheduled to have a ushers and greeters meeting right after the service this morning. I'm going to push that back a week, all right? Uh, sometimes we, uh, uh, I'll say I do it. I schedule things too tightly. And uh, we have so much going on today in such a short afternoon. Our workers are going to be busy contacting families and kids, and the buses are going out again this afternoon. And so I, I, I just was stealing too much time from people to get home, get lunch, and get back. And so we're going to push that off a week, and we want to we be ready for our community barbecue in two weeks. That is on September the 11th, and so another barbecue, and I know it's on kind of back-to-back with this one, but this one has a different emphasis. We've just kind of open house Sunday. There's invitations out on the Welcome Center. Please take some of those home. You might have got one in your bulletin today. Hand that to somebody. Invite a friend to come to church, and here's what we're doing that day, just a little bit different, and uh, we are not having Sunday school that day, all right? There's no Sunday school. Uh, the reason for that is because it's very difficult if you're in the back room and in a Sunday school class and you've got guests coming to be out here and to greet them and to make sure that they feel welcome, that you can sit with them. And so our focus that day is on the lost. It's an evangelistic service, and we want you to be able to be available to your guests, all right? So there'll be no Sunday school. That morning, you might encourage them. You might want to pick them up, bring them to church for 1030, okay? So a 1030 service. Following the service, we'll have a barbecue, and I'm encouraging uh, our workers, once, once the food is out, I want you to go and just sit with people. I want you to visit with people. I want you to get to know people, all right? And no doubt, in a town the size of Simcoe, you will see somebody that you know, even if you did not invite them. And, and make sure you make them feel welcome, all right? Don't worry about cleaning up, all right? I, I don't want us to be so busy we miss an opportunity to speak to somebody. Don't worry about cleaning up. I said before, if, if the staff and I have to stay here till midnight to get everything cleaned up, we'll, we'll do that. We want you to enjoy the day and go out. So don't worry about that, all right? Now, if you decide after everybody's gone you want to help clean up, I won't turn it down, all right? But let's not be so busy about working. Uh, we want to be Mary that day, not Martha. Does that make sense? Martha was cumbered about with much serving, and she missed out on what God wanted her to be doing. And so let's be Mary's that day and sit at the feet of Jesus and let's encourage others to sit with us at the feet of Jesus. And uh, so let's just focus on that Sunday about getting the gospel to our friends, families, and loved ones. Invite people everywhere to come. It's on the sign. Uh, I think uh, somebody has put it on Facebook or whatever. Share that. Just keep putting that out there. Let people know that, that you go to Bethel Baptist Church, you want people to come for 1030 on September the 11th, all right? And so we're not going to rush. We won't have an evening service that night either because, again, I don't want to rush anything. If you need to sit with somebody for two hours, that's fine. There's not a hurry to get back, get to choir practice, anything. We're going to invest in people on that day, okay? Uh, you say, well, that's, that, that's odd. That's a slippery slope. No, it's not a slippery slope. It's a decision. And we just decided we're going to do something to try to reach people for Christ. And so let's, let's work together on that. John chapter 10 this morning. John chapter 10, I, I read a little bit of this passage this week and it kind of, one of those ones I just kind of tripped over again and, and I was reading through John and, and I, I kept coming back to this and so I just want to share a few thoughts with you this morning, the story of a shepherd. Look if you will in verse 22, we're going to jump down, of course there's much about the good shepherd before this and we'll refer to it a little bit in verse 11 and verse 15, but look at verse 22 with me, and it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication 
and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. I want you to mark that question in your mind this morning. How long dost thou make us to doubt? How long dost thou make us to doubt? Have you ever had doubts? Have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered if Jesus really is who he says he was? If he's not, you're in trouble. You've put your faith and trust in somebody that perhaps can't deliver what he has said. But I want to tell you today, I have blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed against that day. And so I want you to notice as Jesus reveals his answer to them, he says, if thou be the Christ, or the Jews say, if thou be the Christ, tell us plainly, Jesus answered them. Verse 25, I told you, and you believe not. I told you. And you believe not. You know, sometimes we, uh, we struggle with belief. And that's why we doubt. If our faith is wavering, doubts will creep in. The Bible puts it this way. James says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so we're, we're tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine because we have not solidified our beliefs in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus just simply says, I told you. I've told you, I've told you, I've told you over and over and over again, and ye believed not. But more than that, look, look what he says next. I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Not only have I told you, I've shown you. Nobody else can do these things unless he is sent from God. Nobody else can walk on the water, calm the stormy seas, or feed the 5,000, or give sight to the blinded eyes unless he has come from the Father. I've told you and you believe not, and I've revealed it to you through my works. They testify of me, and yet you believe not. Look what he says next, verse 26. But ye believe not... Because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I am my Father are one. In this passage, we see such simplicity. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. What a simple relationship to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ, but it is more than just following. It is a following to the point of belief, to the point where we know his voice, and he knows me. I want to examine this passage a little bit this morning and see if we can understand how important it is to have this steadfast faith in Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, if you're a doubter today, are you tired of being blown around? Are you tired of 
wondering why? Have you grown sick and tired of wondering, where will I go when I die? You can have assurance through Jesus Christ. He is the good shepherd. Let's pray. Father, help us today. We pray, Lord, that you'd speak to hearts. Maybe there's some here today that are struggling with unbelief, struggling with doubts and fears. Father, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we look at this very simple passage, as these Jewish folks came to Jesus in the temple and they confronted him and how simply he answered, just simply follow me and know my voice and I'll know you. But Lord, sometimes we're so far off and doubts arise and creep into our lives when we're not following after the shepherd. So I pray that you'd move in our midst today. May the Holy Spirit of God speak to us today. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Back up to verse 24 with me and notice that question once again. and Let it just burn within our hearts and minds today. How long doth thou make us to doubt? How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. You know, there's a lost and dying world today that I believe wants to know plainly the truth. There's a search for truth today. I, I'm a little bit discouraged at times, and I'm a lot discouraged when I watch the news, but I was watching the news, and, and they're sending another, is it Artemis, I think it's called, a spaceship to the moon. A spaceship to the moon. They want to develop the moon, and it's going to cost billions and billions and billions of dollars. And they're going to send all this money and spend and on the search for truth, the search for knowledge. The very next story talks about floods and people starving to death, but we can spend billions to go to the moon for nothing, for no purpose really whatsoever. It's incredible to me. You say, why do they do it? The thirst for knowledge. They showed some, uh, some footage from uh, uh, the telescope that they put out a couple years ago, and now they're in the middle of a black hole, and they're showing what it sounds like in the middle of a black hole. I could have died and went to my grave without knowing that. I'd have been fine. But I'm glad my tax dollars have helped pay for all that. Billions and billions of dollars. But it's because of man's hunger for knowledge. Tell us plainly, they said. We want to know truth. I believe that these Jews were sincere seekers. They were ones that wanted to know the truth and they had come and they were there for that purpose and maybe that's why you're here today. So I'm, I'm at church. I want the truth. I believe that the Bible is something special that, that, that maybe you have not the conviction in your heart yet that it is the very word of God but you know that it is a book from God and, and that it, it reveals truth and you want to know the truth and so you've come here today on a quest because you're tired of doubting. That's what these Jews did. How long dost thou make us doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. You know, the Bible does say something very plainly. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. If you're doubting today, that is not of God. God has not caused you to doubt. Jesus Christ has not caused these Jews to doubt. He said, I have told you. But you won't believe it. 
I have shown you works in my Father's name. Yet you deny those. Let me ask you, have you taken that step of belief? You say, oh, I I know a lot about God. That's a head knowledge. I can quote the Bible. I I knew a man years ago that used to say to me all the time, he said, I know the Bible inside out and backwards, front to back. I I, I know it all. He said, matter of fact, he says, I I could preach better than you could preach. And I, I have no problem with that. That's fine. But I'll tell you this. His life betrayed that he knew Christ at all. He knew a lot about God, but he didn't know God. And if I were to characterize these Jews that were approaching Jesus and confronting him in the temple, that's exactly who they were. They were religious. The Bible called them Jews. They were in the temple. They were there for a purpose. No doubt to worship Jehovah, to to come with sacrifice to God, to, to sing his praises. They knew who God was, and they knew a lot about God. But they did not know him personally. Jesus, I've showed you. I've showed you, but you believe not. I want to suggest to you today that that's where doubt comes from. When we refuse to believe the evidence is placed before us. I think I'm a skeptic at heart. I like evidence for things. We sometimes make assumptions and we jump to conclusions, and and I'm guilty of that from time to time too, but I like to have proof. I like to know how something works, how it goes together. What, What conclusion can I draw based on the facts? And that's what these Jews were saying. We, we need, and, and Jesus, I've given you the facts. I've told you and I've shown you. And yet, you refuse to believe. He told them. He showed them. Up until this point in the book of John, we're only 10 chapters in. Jesus had already turned water to wine. In John chapter 4, we read of the wedding of Cana where Jesus was provoked by his mother to turn the water into wine. And Jesus created this, did this great miracle, and, and it happened in Galilee, but no doubt it would have spread. Not long after that, Jesus is bursting onto the scene. He had told his mother, my time has not yet come, but now here it was. And from that point on, he went about. He, he supernaturally met a woman of Samaria at a well. And he asked about her husband. And she says, I'm not married. He says, oh, that's thou hast well spoken. You've been married five times, and the man you're living with is not your husband. Revealing that he was very God in the flesh. She returned to her people and says, is this not the Christ? There's a man, a prophet of God, a, one who has come, has told me all things that I have ever done. Is this not the Christ? From there, his miracles only got bigger. He healed a nobleman's son simply by speaking the word. The man came and said, Jesus, would you come? And he says, go, your son is fine. He's healed. Keep in mind that as that man's son was healed, there was a multitude listening to that proclamation. Hundreds, maybe thousands of people that had crowded Jesus heard him say, your son is healed. And when that man returned home, he found his son alive and well. We read that in John as well. He healed a lame man at the pool of Bethesda. 
It wasn't a private, quiet miracle. There were many that were laying around that pool looking for the stirring of the waters. And Jesus stepped over each of them to reach into one man's life and to heal a lame man. It wasn't secret. The works that he did in his father's name testified of who he was. After that, he would feed 5,000 people. That's not a secret. By this time in John chapter 10, he will have healed a blind man. And by the way, that's only what John has recorded for us. John would honestly say at the end of his book that there were many other works that Jesus did. That all the books of the world cannot contain it. He only recorded some for us. It was not a secret at this point what Jesus had been doing. And yet they denied him. I suppose that Jesus could say the same to us today, couldn't he? Not necessarily that we don't believe, but he could honestly say, I've worked in your life. I've done many great works in your life. I've healed some of you. Amen? He's healed some of you. He's rescued you from the miry clay. He saved your soul. He imparted his Holy Spirit into your life and he gives comfort and peace and he testifies of Jesus Christ and he guides us into all truth. He has given us his word. I suppose today, if Jesus were responding to us in our doubts and in our fears, he could say the very same thing he said to the Jews. I have done so much for you. I've provided for you. I have given to you. I have sustained you. I even died for you. In all honesty today, we would have to say that Jesus says the very same things to us. The works that I've done in my Father's name. Can any of us deny how much Christ has done for us? Sometimes we doubt because we focus on the problems rather than the problem solver. We look to the burden rather than the burden bearer. We suffer through the trial rather than look to the one who's in the fire with us. And so we doubt. But if we'd only take a time, like the old song says, and count our many blessings. Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Firmly focused upon him. What a change it could make in our lives. And why? Does Jesus do all these things? Why did he work in first century Israel? And why does he work in our lives today? The Bible tells us, look what it says. Verse 25, I told you and you believe not. The works that I do in my father's name, here it is. They bear witness of me. Jesus is not to be a secret. He wants everybody to know who he is because he paid the price of sin for the entire world. We're not to hide him under a bushel, that light of Jesus Christ, but we're to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Is your light shining today? I want you to notice as Jesus has addressed these people today that we find a parallel passage, I believe, in Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, I'm just going to turn there and read a little bit to you. 
The Bible says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Notice that phrase, hold the truth in unrighteousness. These Jews of the first century, they had heard that Jesus was the Messiah. They had seen the works of the Father. They knew the truth, yet they did not believe. You could say like the church at Rome, or as Paul addressed the church at Rome, they held the truth in unrighteousness. Here's what happens, verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Boy, doesn't that sound like what Jesus said to the Jews? You know. You can see it. You can hear it. I have testified. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are not made, or that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Listen, let me say this, friend. Uh, if you're doubting, it's because you're denying. The evidence is before you. Doth not nature itself declare? Does not the universe display the power and the might of Almighty God? I was talking to somebody recently, and they shared with me through some illness in their family, they had to research how can we fight this thing? How can we help in this situation? What? And so they began to research, and they said, When I research the human body, there's no doubt in my mind there's a creator. It's incredible. God's handiwork is seen. Listen, if you're doubting, it's because you're denying the truth that is laid out before you. Notice what Jesus says to these folks today. Number one, I want you to notice he says you have a problem of the heart. A problem of the heart. Look at verse 26. But ye believe not. Because you're not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Ye believe not. Not. You ever heard that phrase, if seeing is believing? These folks saw it, but they didn't believe it. They, they needed some other proof. I don't know if they were hoping that God would open up the heavens and pronounce that this is Jesus Christ. By the way, he did. <laughs> this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And perhaps these Jews weren't present for the baptism of Christ. And obviously they, they, they wouldn't go to the Mount of Transfiguration where God would speak again. But we, we know that, that God had put his stamp upon his son. And these works that he did, he did in his father's name. And there was all kinds of evidence in their life. And it wasn't for lack of facts. It was lack of belief. It was a heart issue. I imagine that some of these Jews could have written a lot of books about Jesus. There's a first century historian by the name of Josephus who wrote the antiquity of the Jews, it's called. And he goes back to the beginning of time and he talks about creation. We do not know for sure if Josephus was a believer or not, but he speaks of Jesus Christ and he wrote highly of him and, and, and admits that he was the Christ. He was sent from God. And others in that crowd perhaps sat down and wrote memoirs of that day and, and told stories about the Jesus, the Christ, the one who did miracles. And Maybe they called him a prophet. Maybe they called him a teacher. 
But for some reason, that last step of belief was lacking. They'd come right up face to face with God in the flesh and did not take that final step. And so they doubted. A lot of people that I've talked to over the years, the source of their doubt is not firmly embracing Christ in faith. Oh, they know a lot about him. They believe he was a person, a good teacher, a moral man, perhaps even sent from God to show us a way. Well, friend, do you believe he is the Christ, the son of the living God? Because upon that statement of faith that Peter gave us back in Matthew 16 is the very rock of the church. It is the foundation that everything else is built upon. That Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. That he is God in the flesh. That he came to save our souls. And if you're doubting today, you're denying the evidences before you. Christ has given us all. It is ours but to believe. Put our faith in him. Belief, listen, belief precedes everything else. Some of you say, well, I need answers first. You need to believe first. It's a matter of faith. You, you will grow. The Bible says that once the Holy Spirit is imparted in your life, you know what he'll do? He'll guide you into all truth. He will testify of me. He will teach you. He will illuminate the word of God to you. With a carnal mind, a fleshly mind, you cannot understand the things that be of God. And so we must take that step of faith. We must believe that Jesus is who he says he was. And after that simple childlike faith, you'll begin to grow. Your answers will begin to be answered, and you'll be able to, or your questions will begin to be answered. You'll be able to see things through new eyes. Hebrews eleven six says this, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him we are so busy seeking answers today we need to seek him see christ listen also to what paul wrote to the romans that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the lord jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that god hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness with the mouth confession is made unto salvation the Apostle John wrote, These things have I written unto them that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Friends, we may never... Uh, I, I, I've been saved for 45 years. I went to Bible college for four years. I've been in ministry for 28 years. Can I, can I confess something? I don't even have a tenth of the answers. If you were to come to me and open up Revelation and say, What does this mean? I don't know. I, I can take a guess. I've heard a lot of preachers say what it means. But I don't have all the answers figured out. But here's what I know. I know whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded that he is able. It's not about all the knowledge in the world. And, and if, I were to get, if I were to get 10 preachers up here today and we opened up to a passage of scripture and I'd say, let's, let's all tell what we think that means, we'd have 10 different answers perhaps. You better be sure you know Jesus. By the way, he wrote it all. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. 
Now, that, that is no excuse for ignorance, by the way. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed. We had to study the word. We had to know as much as we possibly can about God. But at the end of the day, you better know him first. It all starts with faith and believing in Jesus. Why did they have this lack of faith? Number one, they had a lack of following. Notice what he says in that verse, but ye believe not because you're not of my sheep. You know what sheep are? They're followers. They follow the shepherd. These Jews had been following Jesus like we follow a news article. You ever, you ever said, well, I'm following the story. You ever, you ever said that? I'm kind of following the story. We have, a, we have a little app on our phone called Family Album. Family Album. And what it is is that Ida has it, I have it, my mom has it, Emily and Matthew, all five of us. And every time they take a picture of, of the baby, Theo, it can, goes up on there and we can all see it all at once. It's kind of like a private Facebook thing. Just, it's just, that's all it is. Pictures of Theo. That's it. And we can comment on it. Oh, Bethany has it too. And we can all comment on it. Oh, it looks cute, you know, and whatever. And, uh, and so we, we have that thing. Let me tell you this. Every time the phone buzzes, oh, there's another picture of the baby. We whip that thing out. And grandma has to put a little heart and all these, you know, every single time there's a comment. Oh, any cute, any precious little snookums, she calls them. Hearts, stars, everything. You can imagine. All, it, just, it just keeps firing. Can I tell you this? Following the story is not the same as being there. My wife said it's a good thing they live in Ohio. She says, because I'd quit my job and hold them all day. I'd be broke too, I guarantee you that. Listen, following the story is not the same as being intimately involved in a relationship. These Jews were following Jesus from afar. They knew about his miracles. He says, I've told you and I've showed you. You, you know all about me, but you won't believe. You're not following like a sheep follows his shepherd. You've not embraced it. You've not stepped out by faith. You've not believed. You don't trust me. Sheep trust the shepherd. He is there for their protection. He is there because he loves them. I got thinking about that in the shepherd and the sheep relationship. And I thought about David. When the prophet came to find a king, all of Jesse's sons lined up, but David wouldn't leave the sheep. Isn't that something? Here, here's, here's what I understand. If I'm raised in a good godly home like David was, and the prophet of God is coming to speak something at your home, I'm there. I want to hear from God. But David was so loyal to what he was doing, the shepherd would not leave the sheep. He stayed because he loved them. They had to go and bring him in. Boy, the shepherd loves you. And these people had just not followed him. And you say, well, you know, I, I once followed the shepherd. I once followed closely. And perhaps I've drifted a little bit. No, maybe you've never been a sheep. Do you know what else follows the shepherd? Wolves, coyotes, predators. Be careful. Stay close to the shepherd. He says, you have believed not because you're not a sheep. 
You're not a sheep. You don't belong to me. You've not taken that step of faith and you're trying to get all these answers. You want to know about who I am? you got to believe. Become a sheep first. There was a lack of following, but there was a lack of faith. I'm going to turn back to Romans chapter 1. You can turn there if you like. Notice what it says in verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So he says, I've revealed you to, to you in John chapter 10. I've shown you. I, I, I've plainly declared through creation who I am. Verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they knew who he was. They knew what he could do. They knew what he said. They knew what he was capable of. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That describes perfectly these Jews in the temple that day. They knew all about God, but they did not glorify him as God. Maybe that's you here today. Maybe you're doubting because you lack that simple step of faith. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Trust him today. I want you to notice quickly, we see first of all a problem with the heart. But I want you to notice secondly, a proclamation to be heard. Look at the next verse. Jesus makes a proclamation here in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. Imagine the scene, if you will, today. Jesus is in the temple. There's already many worshipers there. There's this throng of people that are following Jesus. And they come into that court of the Gentiles, likely, that outer court, and there the Jews start coming from all corners, and they gather around him. Likely there was a few money changers over here and some others. And here they are, hundreds, maybe thousand people gathered around Jesus. And they're doubting. So what do we need to do? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? And he says, here's something that you really need to understand. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. He said, you need to have a relationship. You need to have a relationship with me. You know, that, uh, that dog we got, it, it's, it's almost disgusting how that thing hears my wife's voice. I will say, Bowser, and he won't even look at me. <laughs> Bowser, he doesn't even, doesn't even move his head, doesn't even look at me. She, she says, Bowser, and he just... <laughs> I went to let him in this morning. He was out in the backyard, and I went to let him in, and he almost knocked me down, tore around the corner, up the stairs to find her. He knows her voice. He couldn't care less about mine. Boy, I mean, isn't that a pretty good illustration of the, the lost and the saved? Here's the problem. Too many saved people... We know his voice, but we know all these other voices too. We're listening to too much garbage that's influencing us. 
The Bible talks about the parable of the sower, and the Lord Jesus Christ said that the cares of this world will choke out that seed. Paul said to the church at Ephesus that we are chosen to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And any man who is chosen to be a soldier entangleth himself not with the things of this world. Instead, we are to be focused on that voice. A relationship with Maybe you're doubting today because you're not listening to just him. You're listening to all kinds of fairy tales and fables out there. That thing that you let influence you the most is a thing that will eventually grab your heart. Notice some things we see about this proclamation. Number one, we see the shepherd calls. My sheep hear my voice. That means he's calling out. He's expressing his voice for you to hear it. Years ago, there was a, a lady on Parkdale Avenue in, Stone, in, in East Hamilton there uh, where, where Faith Baptist Church is, and, and, and she would wander up that street, and she would just sway as she wandered like this. Our youth pastor, Luis Jimenez, went out one day and, and tried to talk to her, and she was obviously, uh, her mind was taken by drugs and alcohol, and she, she was a homeless lady, and, and there have been times where we tried to help her in the past and gave her a coat one time and different things, and, and, and Luis went out to talk to her again, and, and, and that day, for whatever reason, she was somewhat sober. I don't know if she couldn't find enough money to get drugs the night before or what it was. It was a Sunday morning. And she was wandering. And he said, he asked her, he says, why, why do you wander? And when you wander, you look up. She says, there's some voice in my head that says, come to the light. And she says, well, I go from street light to street light. And when I get to one, it says, no, no, this light over here. You know, the Bible says Satan can appear as an angel of light. But his is counterfeit. And he was just leading that lady up and down the streets from light to light. And she was looking for hope and could find nothing. I'm going to tell you, there's all kinds of voices in this world that will say they are the light. But they're nothing but darkness. And they will not satisfy the soul. But Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me. The shepherd calls. You will follow some voice. Is it Christ? We see, secondly, the shepherd cares. He says, I know them. That's an intimate knowledge. He knows your name, but he knows so much more about every hair in your head is numbered. He knows all about you. He created you. He knows you. Uh, we're talking about the shepherd's care today. The, the shepherd calls, the shepherd's care. But notice this, and the sheep come. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That is a proclamation that we need to hear today. If you want to be saved, if you want to have eternal life, you must have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. Oh, you can know all about him. But do you know him personally? I want you to notice one more thing. Our time is gone. We see there's a problem with the heart, and we see a proclamation to be heard. But I want you to notice the third thing. He gives us a promise to be honored. God gives us a promise. If you know his voice today, 
If you follow him as a sheep follows the shepherd, if he knows you intimately, he gives us a promise. Look what it says in verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life. Who? The sheep. Those that have stepped out by faith and believed in him. Not, not every, listen, if you want all your questions answered, they'll all get answered one day. They will. But if you want eternal life, you must know Jesus. You must know the shepherd. Notice what he says, verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. This promise of eternal life is not to just anybody. It is to those who believe. Those who have trusted in Jesus. The promise is available to anybody, for whosoever will may come. But it is only honored in the lives of those who know Jesus. Do you know him today? We notice a couple things. First of all, we have the promise of eternal life, and we have the promise of eternal security. If you know the shepherd's voice and you belong to him, I didn't say if you go to church. I didn't say that if you're following from a distance. There's a lot of, a lot of people today that are called Christian. I'm not talking about being a Christian. I'm talking about being born again by incorruptible seed. I'm talking about those that have truly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for eternal salvation. Those who have entered into that relationship. You see, there's so many that follow the shepherd, but they never enter the fold. They never come into his care and his keeping. They never let him be the savior in their life. They, they've never been cleansed of their sins. They've never, you say, why? Because they've never believed. It's a matter of your faith. Why well, believe Jesus? The devils of hell believe in Jesus and they tremble. Well, I believe Jesus was a good man. No, I believe he's the Christ, the son of the living God. See, that's what it comes down to today. What do you believe? The shepherd loves you. Can I just show you a verse real quick? Turn back. You're in John chapter 10. Look back at verse 11 with me. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. Oh, friend, there's all kinds of wolves out there after you. They'd steal your heart and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hiring fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Let's bow our heads together this morning. Let me ask you, do you know Jesus? There's no doubt in my mind that today there are many in this room that could stand up and quote all kinds of scripture. They could tell me every miracle that Christ did. They can live a moral and a good life based on principles. 
But none of that matters if you do not have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you have not stepped out by faith and believed in him. You're here today because you're looking for answers, but all you're finding is doubts. Trust in Jesus first. Believe him. When his Holy Spirit comes into your life, he'll teach you all things. But the first step always, always, always is simple childlike faith in Jesus. You say, why should I trust in Jesus? Because he paid the price for your sins. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He died on a cross called Calvary because the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. But the good news is, is God is not willing that any should perish. So the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you trust in Jesus today, you can be eternally saved. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to dissuade you from learning more about God or searching after truth. I, I'm just saying it is a fool's errand until you first trust in Jesus. Your eyes will be blinded, your mind will be closed until you trust in Jesus Christ. That's what this entire book is about. Pointing us to a Savior who loves us. Why don't we stand to our feet today? If there's one who says, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved, would you pray for me? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and nobody's looking around. Could we help you today? Would you slip up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't call you out. We want to help you. Take a Bible and show you what it means to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Is there one? Would you slip up your hand? There have been times in my life I've doubted. You go through a trial and you say, God, are you there? And you wonder. Then I'm reminded he'll never leave me nor forsake me. His Holy Spirit will bear witness with my heart and comfort me. He'll flash an answer to my heart and mind and help me through those times. But it's not about all my earthly wisdom or knowledge or my 50 years on this earth. It's about who I know. It's all about him. Do you know him today? Can we help you? Maybe there's some others here today, they're just burdening their heart for somebody. You thought, oh man, I wish so-and-so would take that step of faith. They're so close. They're like those Jews. They know so much about God, but they, they've never believed. They're not part of the fold. I wish, would you just pray for them right now? Would you lift them up before God? Would you lift up those visitors tonight that will come, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas?